you're listening to Mystic Magic, Exploring Our Spirit to Understand Our Lives. My name is Celeste Frazier and I'm your hostess. Today's topic is synchronicity and we have the perfect person to explore this. Sky Nelson Isaacs. He's a theoretical physicist, speaker, author, and musician. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. Stay tuned. Hey, hey, Mystic Magic fans. It's going to be another wonderful show. My guest today is Mr. Sky Nelson Isaacs. He's a theoretical physicist, a speaker, an author, and a musician. He has a master's degree in physics from the San Francisco State University with a thesis in string theory and a BS in physics from UC Berkeley. Now, Sky has dedicated his life to finding his own sense of purpose, beginning as a student of the yogic master Sri Swami Sachidananda, where he was less than five years old. And he discovered an early fascination with holograms and some of the most fundamental questions in physics. So he sought for over two decades to establish a connection between synchronicity, physics, and real-life research and original ideas. He's an educator with nine years of classroom experience. He's also a multi-instrumentalist and professional performer of award-winning original musical compositions. I knew Sky first as a musician, and he's a wonderful musician, and he's also an amazing mind. He has a very unique curiosity about physics, and we're going to get into a little bit of that, too. But mainly, we're going to find out about his mystic magic. Welcome, Sky. Thank you, Reverend Celeste. It's nice to see you. Great to be on your show. Well, it's good to have you here. Now, most of the time... When we think of physicists, we think of nerdy type people, but that's not you at all. You're a theoretical physicist. Could you explain to our audience what that means? Uh, Physics for me is interesting and appealing because it's the study of the physical world we live in. And I grew up being exposed to spiritual concepts. At the same time, I was exposed to scientific concepts. And to me, they were both trying to get at the same question. What is this world, this experience that we have? So those two tracks developed in parallel. And theoretical physics is really asking the questions, the most fundamental questions of how do we understand the world around us? And those are the same questions that people ask from a different perspective when they want to understand spirituality and their own spiritual truth and their own consciousness. So to me, theoretical physics you know, is the study of the laws of nature And that connects to the laws of human nature, or maybe it connects. I mean, that's really the question. How do we connect the fundamental laws of our own lives with the laws of the world we experience around us? Yeah. I I noticed that exploration in your up-and-coming book. It's it's quite an exploration. Yeah. The book book and, and the work that I'm doing right now, the book is called The Leap to Wholeness, How the World is Programmed to Help Us Heal, Grow, and Adapt. And it's looking at wholeness as a fundamental quality of the universe that we live in, of the cosmos. Whereas we think of the world as dividable right now. Everything can be reduced to parts, smaller parts. And I think that that is one way of looking at things, but there's also a a way of understanding things in in their entirety in which you and I are each wholes. And as a collective, we are a whole. And there's something lost when we separate ourselves into pieces. 
Yes, I think that's a big part of the energy right now. You know, one doesn't usually think of a physicist and a musician in the same body. And you have a unique style of music. I know that you share your journey in that book and that you've been synthesizing your life in amazing ways. But how does that musician and physicist as one person work for some who might find it hard to fathom? You know, I wanted to be a musician for my life when I was in college and before that. And I didn't even take math classes my last year of high school because I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play music. And then in college, after my freshman year of being a music major, I got like a carpal tunnel kind of thing, a repetitive stress injury, and I couldn't practice. So I knew I had to pick something else. And I had kind of a synchronicity where somebody mentioned that they loved how physicists thought about things. And I, I had just taken a class on astronomy that was you know, related to physics. And I, I just decided that summer to go for it. And I took a physics catch-up class. And then sophomore year, I was a physics major. So I was led into it. And I never let go of music as a path. So I, I have had these parallel paths uh, extending for a long time. And I would say now, you know, I can never give up either of them because they're both... In fact, the deciding between them has been a major factor in my own life experience. You know, How do I navigate that? How do I deal with the internal strife that comes from feeling I have to choose between different parts of myself? And that's a part of the book that I just wrote around the different right. parts of ourselves that are actually part of a whole. Even though we feel like we're made to have to choose between them, we don't have to choose between ourselves and other people either. There's a way that we can be in flow with taking care of our own needs and being present and, in, and getting value from others and giving value to others. Yeah. It sounds like that was very painful for you. And thank God that wholeness is real and that the more we can embrace that, the more at peace we can be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that we need that message. We need to understand that we may have been taught or shown that we have to choose between things that we love and care about. And I think we do have to choose. I think more than anything else, more than actors and doers, we are choosers. And we need to not necessarily create the world we want to live in, but choose the world we want to live in. Because we're right. given, given choices all the time about who we want to be. And it's those day-by-day -day choices that become who we are. So I think I want to remind myself every day that I don't have to actually choose between things that I care about. I can find a way to integrate all the different aspects of myself into one version of my life. I thought there was something interesting in the book that you just mentioned too about letting go of things. And you, know, my teacher, Michael Beckwith, says that all spiritual growth is about letting go of something. And so I just think it's interesting to, to be able to release is so key because there's only so much that we can hold and be in integrity with ourselves. I think release is something that we have a lot of trouble with in our current Western civilization, or at least the dialogue that happens at the surface level. Mm -hmm. I, I relate that to grief. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the ability to handle ambiguity, the ability to sit with grief, with the parts of ourselves that are not fulfilled, to look at the burning of a, a forest or the death of a person we care about or somebody that is being treated unjustly. These are grief-filled moments. And people react to those in different ways. We might have defenses against feeling that grief. We might have justification why it's okay or why we don't have this on our problem. But ultimately, as empathetic human beings, we are affected by everything we experience. Yes. And the more we can open up to the ability to like feel the giant hole in our chest and not know what to do with it, but not turn away from it. 
I think grief can be a transformative element, especially when it's not necessarily our own. What, you know, when we lose someone that's close to us, it can be overwhelming. And that's our work to do at that time. But when we see other people suffering, we can carry grief as a, as a force that opens us up and gives us the power to fight for justice in our own lives and step outside of our comfort zone and get into flow. Flow is, is what emerges when we get access to all of who we are, all the difficult parts, all the parts we're scared about and the force of power that comes through us when we can do that. Well, it's, it's an important thing to think about because so many people are transitioning right now. I just finished a memorial just before I got on this recording. And so job loss is also something that people grieve, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the most crippling things is that people are losing hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is also kind of grieving a lot of the divide that we're experiencing. And, you know, it's a time for us to be curious and courageous and the way you're talking, it sounds like you found a way to help empower ourselves and using grief as a tool. Where does empowerment come from for me? This is why I study the natural world. I try to understand at a really fundamental level, like what, are, what is the purpose of what we're doing here? Why are we here? And the purpose can't be you know, to feel good because we don't feel good all the time. Right. Even when we're at our best, we don't feel good. The purpose can't be to succeed at whatever we have in our mind set to do, because that often doesn't happen. So I look at the purpose and I say in, in my own life, you know, I, I continue to receive problems. And so rather than thinking about why do I keep having problems and feeling frustrated and sad about that, I try and look at what science tells me is that the world I'm experiencing is my world. It's, mm-hmm. This is called the relational view of, there's a relational view of quantum mechanics that everything that you observe takes the form relative to you, or at least in the lab, you know, what a scientist would say is this happens in a lab with their experiment. It takes a form relative to you, but relative to somebody else, it might be a different description. And this actually, I think really helps me look at why is this situation happening for me right now? What is the context in my life that this is teaching me something that is useful to me right now? So it helps me have a, a larger context for the events happening in my life and that I see happening in the world. I can separate a little bit more what's mind process, what do I need to take away from the situation, and then what is outside that is happening in the world that I don't necessarily have to take accountability for. And that brings me a sense of hope because the more that I can get in touch with my authentic source of power to find my voice, to be in integrity with people, that's how I can make a difference. And if I'm making a difference in these ways on a daily basis, then I feel like I'm really engaged. That brings me hope. That's an interesting way of looking at the scientists because of the observer effect. And I know you talked about things that are outside, not necessarily being us not being necessarily accountable for, but everything has an effect on everything, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's an interesting uh, synergy that we're kind of unaware of. And this is where empathy comes back in because I can be completely devastated and moved by events in the world and yet not take responsibility for them in a way that debilitates me, but not be attached to the world surviving in a specific form, being able to grieve the loss of the form of power that we have, whether it's 
you know, as a white man grieving the loss of uh, a world in which white men have more power and welcoming in a world where people of color have more influence and, are, and, and there's more integration of, and equity or whether it's grieving the loss of the status of the United States as the leader of the world in economics and in culture. Um, I don't, not that it was necessarily, but there's some changes that are necessary and that are happening. And I feel it's grieving those losses and those changes allows me to step in and open up and be ready for and feel related to other people in those changes so that we can welcome in something better, something bigger and new. Well, thank you for bringing that grief to my attention because I I frankly have been pretty caught up in wondering why non-people of color are not understanding. And at the same time, realizing that there's a lot of fear to kind of relinquishing this position that's been going on for centuries, but not necessarily considering the grief that comes with that. So thank you for that. I think a lot of this transformative energy that we're in right now is about is about loss but it's also such a great opportunity for us to expand yeah and what's so powerful about grief is it is a direct transition from our mental ideas about people of a race or about people of another another gender or about people of a different community than ours a different culture Grief transcends and breaks those those models. It shatters those images in our heads. And I think those images being held up in our minds stop us from being able to empathize with each other. So it yeah. stops me from being able to understand, you know, whose lives matter and why this person says this and another person says something else. These are broken down conversations that are broken down because we have mental models that are getting in the way of us actually hearing what's being said. Right. And grief breaks through those mental models that we have and brings us to a place of complete gratitude for each other and openness to the views of each other in a new way. It's non-mental. Well, yeah, maybe because the vulnerability piece comes in between. Yeah. Yeah. When we can be vulnerable, you know, Brene Brown says uh, something great about vulnerability. When we first meet someone, the last thing we want to do is be vulnerable about something. But the first thing we look for in the other person is their vulnerability. <laughs> so that tells us something about what's really going on. And you know, I want to find out what's really going on in our interactions, not what's happening at the surface and not what kind of crashing waves of intellectual opinions and beliefs that we have, but what's really happening. How are you hurt? How are you in pain? And it's, I haven't caused your pain in most cases, so I don't have to be defensive about it, but that allows me to then be present and be open to your pain and see how I have participated in your pain. I think a lot of that has to do with the title, or at least part of the title of your book is A Leap to Wholeness, because we want to be seen as whole, and we have very limited concepts of what wholeness is. And so because we're attached to one perception of what wholeness is, we're not confident that we are whole, and therefore Mm -hmm. we try to prove that we're whole, Mm -hmm. either oppressing someone or puffing ourselves up beyond what's really real. Either way, it's getting a hold rather than love leading. That's so well put. Yeah. In Most, my book, uh-huh. I, I talk about layers, the layers uh-huh. of personality that we, that underneath our layers of personality, we have a core self of who we are. Mm-hmm. And we're peeling back the layers of programming that we've developed that, that are protecting us from feeling that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't associate a physicist with a Zen philosopher or with being a yogi. 
What's the story there? How are the two married in you? I think that physics is essentially the same exploration as Zen philosophy. What is Zen talks about the ephemeral nature of the world, that there's, there's something that's unspeakable about it. And when you speak it, it's, it's automatically wrong. And you know, when we look at what the laws of quantum mechanics tell us about the electrons and protons in the subatomic world, it's very much that there's something that we can describe, but when we describe it, it immediately changes and evolves and is different based on our description. It's molded by our description. So one way to frame this is in terms of questions and answers. Every statement we make is really an answer to some question. We have, we have curiosity about the world. And so we, Carl Jung, I think it was, who said, was it Jung? That everything we do is trying to probe nature to get an answer to a question. And the most perfect type of experiment would be to probe it with no boundaries, to you know, probe life to find out what is nature without, without framing the question at all. Because our, our framing of the question determines what we get back. Yeah. And I think this is true about people as well. We can only understand what we hear from someone in terms of our own inner framework of what we understand in the world. And this makes communication really challenging unless we can open up to our empathetic place and just not necessarily try to understand what they're saying, but to feel what they're saying. Mm-hmm. How, does, how does music play into this for you? Does it help open you up? Because I know you write a lot of music and, you know, there's not, it comes from a place. I don't yeah. know where, where yeah. the, this is, where everything meets for you. Well, music is really a, just a whole part of me. You know, I can't let it go. I, I love it. I love the feeling of playing. I just, you know, the piano for me is another pen. It's like, you know, most people write with a pen and they can write pretty well and use language. And for me, I can use a piano keyboard like just an instrument like that. It's very familiar. Mm-hmm. And performance, you know, I write about synchronicity in my books. I write about how being in flow comes from a certain mindset. But I don't usually have that mindset in the same way when I'm sitting and writing. It comes when I'm doing things like playing music. So music is kind of like the practice of my work. I get to show up and see how things are coming through me and relate to people in a new way. And it's, it's really, it really challenges me in my insecurities and my vulnerabilities to show up and be present. And then the message in my music is almost always about some exploration of myself or my world or you know, trying to heal. So it does relate in the same content with the book that's about healing and, and understanding of myself. We need science and music. And, you know, so much of what science tries to reach on a feeling basis, you can't mentally describe it. So good for you for trying every approach that you can. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think back to self-understanding there. I think self-understanding is, you know, I, it's not self-understanding is how I start to try and understand the world around me rather than going outward and trying to blame others for things. I try and turn it inwards and understand myself. And then hopefully that gives me a sense of more connectivity with other people. Okay. So when you think about quantum mechanics and other physics related things, what's that relationship with your spirituality? Well, quantum mechanics is this set of theories around observation. What happens when we observe uh, little particles in a lab, electrons and protons, what happens when we interact with them? And as I described earlier, what we've found, at least one of the models, is that there's this relational nature that when you observe uh, a system, you actually change it. I like to say quantum mechanics is what the world is doing, a study of what the world is doing when we're not watching it. Yeah. 
So it's really a question of understanding the nature of our watching, understanding the nature of what's there, what, what is the essence of what's there. And part of what's there is the interaction happening, the relationship happening between one person and the thing that they're observing. And in my view, this takes us back to what's going on inside of each of us, how we interpret the world, what sorts of questions we frame. And you know, the, the analogy in quantum mechanics is that let's say you have two different experiments you could run. And depending on how you run the experiment, you'll get a different set of possible answers. You know, you run the experiment this way, you can get either up or down. You run the experiment this way, you can get either left or right. And your choice of how you question the environment determines what the possible answers are. But who's asking the question? Well, in this case, it's the experimenter, you know, the, the, the scientist sitting there doing the experiment. But if this is an analogy for how we actually experience life, then we're deciding, you know, we're, we have a certain framework that we're asking our questions from and we can only receive answers that fit within that framework of me, the person asking the question. Well, let me ask you this another way. Who wants you to ask the question? Hmm. Are you asking about the, the inner source of who we are? Yes. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm well, not sure. I, I believe it's all related. And, you know, a lot of times people think people come into their lives because... You know, it was a blessing. And of course it is, but I believe that as spiritual beings that we invite people as part of our purpose, as part of our our unfoldment into our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes for our work too. And so I just wanted to kind of get to that place where maybe we may not be looking sometimes and maybe we are looking other times and maybe we don't know who's looking, but there's always somebody watching or some energy Mm -hmm. watching or some force observing. Well, one way to think about what you're saying is with the witness. That's what I hear you talking about, the witness self. And I think flow is related to that. You know, when I'm in a state of flow, I lose track of the self-consciousness that I might have or the questioning of what I'm doing. I know that what I'm doing is what I need or want to be doing in that moment. And I become like a witness of that. I think the beauty of this is that we can, we can look at this and say, the thing that I need to do to make a difference in my world is to experience this, this sense of my self-expressing more often, to, to make choices that bring me to fuller self-expression. Because when I do that, I start to be unable to push away the, the feeling of empathy for others and the feeling of wanting to, to change circumstances in my life for the better. So I don't, I don't think we have to look outside of ourselves for a chance to help or heal. We can just go get more and more aligned with our own drive. You know, what kind of job do we really, really want to have? What kind of relationship do we really want to have? And believing in these things, believing in the world that we want to experience and getting into flow to get there. And that changes things at ripples outward, I think, makes a big difference in the community. I think what you call flow is what I call oneness. And um, it's there all the time. Mm -hmm. So I know that our audience wants to keep track of you and hear more about you. What are the upcoming events or writings that you would like for our international audience to know about? Well, thank you so much for the invitation to come on your show and share with your audience. I really appreciate it. My upcoming book is called Leap to Wholeness, How the World is Programmed to Help Us Heal, Grow, and Adapt. And that is found on... It's currently pre-sale on Amazon and other sites. And it can be found at leaptowholenessbook.com. I also have a previous book, Living in Flow, 
And that book is still available, of course. And I have a course that I developed with exercises to bring out our ability to navigate change in our lives and notice grief happening, shift through it, find our way to, from despair and frustration to courage and compassion, self-compassion and a will to move forward. So that course is available online and the website is the letter youthrivehere.com slash living in flow. Okay. You want to check that out. The information about the course is available there. And then my music, if you'd like to find out, is available at skynelson.com. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your sensibilities and your wisdom. And I also appreciate the genius that you have in so many different ways, as well as your and your ability. So thank you for being you. Thank you so much for being you and bringing me on your show. And have a great, great week. Thank you. Namaste. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. Exploring nature to understand my life is a leap to wholeness and away from strife. To heal, adapt, and grow, I choose to know who I want to be. For when I see division, I want revision. When I hear derision, I seek a greater vision. We are here for each other, not to fear one another. The unfulfilled parts feel like darts and are openings for empathy. The rewards of vulnerability. When I see my brothers suffer, am I willing to be a buffer? Can I leave my own grief to see infinite possibility? Will I offer you relief? To accept the probability that going alone makes me furious. But if I choose to be curious and less mesmerized by the form or hypnotized by the norm, perhaps I'll see that you are me and embrace the synergy, welcoming something better in a world where we are together. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Celeste A. Frazier, and this is Mystic Magic. Please check our show notes for more information about our guests and our topics from today's show. Please do subscribe. It is free. I invite you to support the show if it's been a blessing to you today. Next week, our guest will be Vaughn Taylor. Vaughn is the founder and chief purpose officer of the Core Guide Center. She's been studying energy, spirituality, and recovery She's an author, so it'll be a rich conversation. Mystic Magic can also be found on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and other great podcast venues. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. 